Welcome to Move the District, where you can find the best ways to stay healthy, stay moving, and stay informed in Washington, D.C. Now, more than ever, we have a wealth of information and opportunities to live the high-performance, pain-free life that we want. My name is Dr. Mike Yasson, and my goal is to show you the backstories behind the individuals and businesses that provide these opportunities for everyone, no matter who you are. Now, let's move. Move the District is sponsored by Big Leap Performance and Rehab. At Big Leap Performance and Rehab, we help active adults stay that way, pain-free and active during the sports and activities that they love for life. We do this by working on four different areas. That's movement, nutrition, stress management, and sleep. When we optimize these four areas, you feel better, you move better, and you live better. Head to BigLeapPerformanceAndRehab.com to see how we can help you stay active for life. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. Episode 30, three, zero, the big three, zero, dirty 30. Uh, today, we got a special guest. She is a founding trainer of Rumble Boxing here in DC. She's a NASA certified personal trainer and overall badass. Please welcome Sharon Kim. Sharon, Thank thanks you. for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm so glad to be featured, but also just to meet you. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. I think I've been following you for a while just through like social media and, and, uh, and finally, you know, we got the opportunity here to connect. So I am uh, excited to uh, keep the conversation going here. Yeah. The universe always brings the good people together. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Exactly. Uh, So let's, uh, let's get into the, uh, the nitty gritty here. Give us your, your background. Where, where did uh, the Sharon, where's the Sharon Kim story begin? It begins at Innova Fairfax Hospital. So Innova I Fairfax born, Hospital. So I was actually born not too far from DC, 30 minutes out. Um, Nova native. My parents are Korean immigrants. Uh, my dad came here with no money to his name, couldn't speak the language. And, you know, he made something out of nothing. And, you know, they made a better life for my sister and myself and, you know, provided everything that we could have ever wanted or needed to succeed. So um, went to school around here. And then I went to college in South Carolina, go Gamecocks. Um, go Cox. Yeah. And then I came back and, and then I've been working in the fitness, I mean, not fitness yet, but financial services industry. Um, and then went into the stock brokerage risk space. And then in 2018, I said adios to that. (laughs) And I've been in the fitness industry for two and a half, I guess now I will not two, yeah, two and a half years now. And so it's been, it's been a ride and, um, with the downs too, I, I wouldn't oh, yeah. trade it for anything. So, um, that's where I am now. And kind of how I went into fitness was, you know, I would consider myself a movement artist. That's how I express myself through movement, whether it's through boxing or, you know, dancing or whatever. So I felt that's one of my gifts. That's one of my talents and how great it would be if I could share that with other people and help, help others find their own power within themselves through the art of movement. So and here think, we are today. <laughs> I, I love it. I think that's great because I actually have that written down here because I saw that in your Instagram bio, uh, Movement Artist. And I have my Instagram bio, Movement Optimist. And, and I, you know, I think it's, it's pretty similar. Where, where did you first kind of realize that or, or pick that up where you're like, Movement Artist? 
I, I, it came to me because, you know, everyone wants to have something catchy in their Instagram. And I've seen, um, Kirsty Godso, she's like this famous Nike trainer. And like, I wanted it to be something around energy. Cause everyone always talks about my energy and I feel like my energy is very electric, but I didn't want it to be the same. And she, her said, uh, her said she's a professional, like energy dealer. And I thought that was so cool. And so like unique, you know? So I was like, okay, let me think what, what is it? And and specifically, I just thought of movement artists because dancing has a boxing has a lot of parallels to dancing, right? It's a lot yeah. about rhythm and stuff. And so, a lot of times when we're shaking out, like at the gym that I train at, and um, before we spar, we always have to, you know, get our chakras aligned and you know, um, shadow box, get in the zone. Like you're you're kind of like dancing, and it's like you know, it, it's you kind of the ring is your canvas and there's no wrong way to pivot or turn. You just kind of visualize and move. And so I thought of that and I was like, that is artistry. That's movement. That's artistry in motion. Yep. And I remember saying that in class one time, it just came out during a rumble round. And I was like, wait, that would make me a movement artist. And that's exactly what I am because whether it's running or, um, boxing or you know do i mean something as simple as a tiktok dance it's i i feel like that's my main way of expressing myself i'm always moving and i'm you know me i'm talking with my hands right now <laughs> as a uh, as an italian i uh, i feel you that i always feel like i'm always like waving my hands in the air as, a, as a so i know i know exactly what you're talking about now when did you you know did fitness always play a role in your life from from when you were younger or is it something you got into as you got older uh what's what's the deal I was always active um, ever since I was a kid. Like I was always outside and I was actually talking to my mom about this <laughs> um, where she picked me up from preschool and like all the other kids were like playing, you know, with each other and with the toys and stuff. And I was outside digging up worms and, and like I would present it to her as if what, like, I don't know. And so I think she knew that I was just a little different and I always had to be hands-on and moving around. And so I always played sports. Uh, I played um, field hockey and lacrosse. So a lot nice. of running, a lot yep. of sprints, a lot of uh, contact. Um, played club lacrosse in um, college for a little bit. And then when I came back here, I was like, you know, I was on the corporate hamster wheel like everybody else. And so your lifestyle all of a sudden becomes super sedentary. So um, I had all this stored energy that I needed to release, especially because my job was stressful. So um what better way than to go into fitness? And then, you know, the right. whole boutique fitness scene is, is, you know, people can say what they want about it, but it is very helpful to people. And it's an amazing thing in its community. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think the, the boutique fitness scene, it, it's, it's interesting. I think there is a bit of a bubble that is either has is bursting or it's going to burst. I don't, I don't really know. I feel like there's, you know, like things popping up left and right. And I, yeah, I mean, I think it gives people that outlet to, you know, you find what's best for you. It's not necessarily about just, you know, everyone has to do CrossFit or everyone has to do boxing, you know, everyone has to be, you know, doing this, that, or the other thing. It's, it's fine what works for you, whether it's Pilates, whether it's yoga, whether it's, you know, rumble, whether it's, you know, whatever it might be, you find that outlet for yourself. And I think that's what's most important about that and having, giving people the opportunity to uh, find what works best for them. Right. Some people like Oreos, some people like Twix, like uh, not, no, not a fan of Twix. Sorry. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm Oreo gang. Oreo oh yeah. I'm, I'm Oreo gang too. too. Team Oreo yeah. gang for sure. Um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And, and it, you know, people, you know, for, for years, I think, you know, it was, you know, you, you go to the, the, the gym, the, the, the big box gym and you, you do your cardio or you do your weights. And it was like, those were the two options. That was it. And, and then maybe there were a few classes mixed in left, you know, here and there, but 
for the most part, you know, it was like you do cardio or you do weights. And, and now I think there's, you know, so much more of a opportunity to do, to do both or, or, you know, something that's totally unrelated. Yeah. I think, I think there, I mean, even myself, sometimes that, you know, when I go in a weight room, I find like sanctuary in that of being able to just like do your own workout and do your own circuits and focus on, you know, your imbalances and all of that. But, um, but you know, part of me loves being in the community too. And that high energy, you know, type of vibe. So, um, it's a beautiful time to be alive. And in this city where there are so many fitness options for whatever your personality type is, but also for whatever mood you're in, you know? Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's a beautiful time to be in fitness. And even with, I mean, even with everything that's going on, I still stand by that. And it's a beautiful time to be a consumer of fitness in this city. It's a very active city. Yeah. And I I think, you know, the, what, you know, whatever your vibe is, I think that's, you know, the really important thing. Cause I think it's not, it's not so much about like, cause like you can go to any gym really, and you're going to get a good workout. Like they're all, they're all going to burn calories. They're all going to build muscle. They're all going to do the, the, the right things that you, you know, want to get out of a workout, but where do you connect with, you know, the, the vibe, where do you connect with the trainer? I think that's the, the real big key factor is, you know, where do you feel like you belong? You know, I know soul cycle does a great job of like that talking about like their tribe. Uh, and I know rumble does the same thing. Um, but I think, you know, having that ability to create a community and a following and, and a group of like-minded people, I think ultimately comes down to being like the most powerful aspect of it. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. And it's so important, especially because DC is such a big transplant city. And, you know, after college, think about how difficult it is to make friends outside of work. And so the perfect, you know, marriage is through fitness. And so I've met so many amazing people through um, this journey that I had leaving my nine to five and going into Rumble and not just people I've met at Rumble, you know, nationwide, you know, the other locations, but just within you know, this space here locally in DC, you know, and, and it further expands your network. And it's just like, what you have, you give what you know, you teach. And so you're giving your energy to others, everyone else gives it back. And we teach, we learn so much from each other. And so um, community is really everything. Community, yeah, community really is. And I, I think, uh, you know, I moved down here from New York, and I knew one or two people and and that that was pretty much it. And, and, uh, you know, having the ability now, you know, working within the, the DC fitness community has, you know, definitely expanded my group of just, you know, not just on the professional level, but just on a, on a friendship level of people that I'm able to, you know, text and hang out with and, and you know, just overall get along with that, you know, if I didn't have the opportunity to go to some of these different classes or, or you know, work with, you know, I, I, I don't know where I'd be. I maybe I'd be back in New York. I don't know. <laughs> we are blessed to have you here. Stay yeah. here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So now was, uh, was it always boxing or, or, you know, when, when you got more into fitness after you graduated and finished playing lacrosse, was it, was it, you know, like, let's go right into boxing. Where did boxing come about? So the birth of boxing into my life was actually at a very difficult time. Um, I had just come out of a really toxic, abusive relationship, right? And I, um, you know, no shade to anybody. I hope everyone's, you know, but it's, it's important to speak up on that because it, it's, it's a catalyst to a lot of 
if that if the dark times like that if that had never happened and was part of my journey i would probably still be at my nine to five right Right. um it fueled a fire in me and made me kind of rediscover myself um and so i found my friend dragged me to this class and shameless plug his name is julian morales he's my first ever boxing trainer i was in the oregon golden gloves and he started boxing at a young age and um you know he's out here in virginia so if you need someone to shout out julian morales yeah um he he really got my foundations good. Um, and I went to a class, you know, at title boxing at the time. And I was like, wow, like, I feel great. And I'm some, I'm the type of person that is all in or not in at all. Like, I'm not going to dip my toes in the pool. I'm going to go off the diving board and cannonball in. Right. So when it comes to this class, I was like, okay, I'm going to come back, but I don't want to just throw punches and potentially increase my risk for injury and just kind of look dumb. Right. So I want to know the proper technique. So I said, listen, I'm just going to sign up for one personal training session. And and then, you know, I'll just go back to taking classes. Um, obviously that did not happen. (laughs) I got, I went down the rabbit hole. And so then one thing led to another, it's like, you know, it's a chain reaction of events and, and no, no event exists in isolation or in a vacuum right so um started pt and then you know the manager was like yo people are coming up to the front desk when you have sessions asking how they can look like that and it's actually getting us more pt sessions and so you know yeah and it's and and you know talent is one thing right like i think i'm um i mean i know i have my talents where i have my talents right movement is one of them and learning things quickly is one of them but the repetition that it takes for boxing is 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 different in itself. There's always learned so much to learn, even at the professional level. And so, um, it was the first time I had done individual sports cause I'm so used to team sports, um, like lacrosse and field hockey. So after that, I went down the rabbit hole, got better and better, started sparring. And, you know, now I'm at headbangers and for some reason they let me train with them, uh, Barry Hunter and, um, book but his name's Patrice Harris. Um, they're like fathers to me, but they are in the boxing hall of fame. Um, they're legends here in DC. And um, I'm very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in and to be able to train alongside some of the professionals and some of DC's best talent. What are, what are some of the, the lessons that boxing and, and being, ha- being able to spar and, and be around those guys? What, what is that? What has that taught you? What has that given you? Um, in one way, it gives me perspective because that's how you grow. Um, I'm from suburban, uh, suburban area. I'm from Fairfax. So, um, I didn't know a lot of people from DC, Southeast DC or PG County. Right. And so it gave me a lot more, gave me a lot more perspective on different people because before that in DC, I would always hang out, you know, on 14th street or with the same type of people, you know, your corporate, there's nothing wrong with them, but I need, I, I diversified, you know, the people in my life unintentionally, you know, the world of boxing just happened to be that way. Um, and then another thing is it taught me just, there's some, something different about the air in that gym and I can't describe it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's this level of focus and relentlessness that I have not seen anywhere else. And I trained up in Gleason's gym in New York as well. And that's where like Mike Tyson, it's a very famous gym. Um, but the, the, the energy, the, the, the juju in the air over there at Headbangers is is different. And so it's taught me so much. It's made, made me grown as a person. It's made me bite down and especially being, you know, 
in a male dominated practice. Like I run sprints with them. <laughs> we do, there's this like workout that's called the PlayStation and it's, it's hell. <laughs> it's not a PlayStation. It sucks. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, sparring and, and getting a bruised rib and busting. It, it just, it just teaches you so much. It humbles you, but at the same time builds your confidence. And it's, it's, it's really hard to describe to someone who has never been to that depth of a, of, of that sport. Right, right, right. And, and one thing I think you touched on a little bit there that I want to get into is you, you know, boxing is, boxing is a man's sport, right? Right. It's, it's not for women, right? Um, it's, it's, everything is for everybody, but, <laughs> but I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. So yeah, it's a male dominated sport. And it's also, um, when it comes to women in boxing, well, recently there's more and it's getting more, um, coverage and thanks to the age of social media and all that. Um, but prior to that, no one cared about women's boxing and, you know, no one took that seriously. And, you know, there's not money to be made at the professional level as much. Well, now there's Clarissa Shields and Franchise, there's, you know, 2020 is amazing time, but, um, you know, like right around the time I started, it wasn't as big and that was like 2016. So, you know, I've always been someone who's like, I'm not worried about what everyone else is doing or, what's society thinks is right or wrong or popular. I just, what, what do I feel in my gut doubt, like deep down in my bones is for me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's been an adjustment. Um, but I feel like being the only girl training with all those guys, like it brings out more masculine and feminine parts of me at the same time. So I think it makes me um, a more versatile person and a better person. Right, right, right. And I, I think, yeah, it, it gives you like, again, perspective of like being able to be around those, those people. And, uh, you know, like I said, bring out those certain characteristics, um, of yourself and, and just make you feel more like yourself. Right. And cause when I went there, I think Boog was surprised that I showed up at that gym and he was like, what? And I was like, um, I need to go somewhere where I'm the worst person in the room. Like, that's what I need. And so I had to get registered as an athlete with USA Boxing, do the whole thing, you know, um, because I figured when I came back from New York, I was like, training anywhere else would be a step backwards for me. And I'm, I'm not trying to go that way. And, um, you know, to be an instructor at Rumble, you don't actually need boxing experience, right? They teach you all that. You know, they want you to be a big presence, a personality, someone who can connect, create that community, right? So so we have people from all walks of life, models, dancers, runners, whatever, um, coming in to through the onboarding process, right? And so um, for me, I had prior boxing experience. I can hold mitts for people. And so, you know, from people who don't have boxing experience, I, I was getting sick of people being like, oh, like you're, you're good at boxing, blah, blah, blah. Because I knew in my head, I was like, but I'm not good, you know? And I mean, what is, I mean, good is right. What's what's good. Right. But to me, the reason why I was thinking that way was because I was like, I feel like I had just scratched the surface. What are you talking about? Like, there's more to this, there's more to this dance and more to this art or more to the science of boxing than just mitt work videos. Right. And no shade to that. Cause I do that too. I love it. Right. But, but I was like, I need to go deeper. And that's why I, I literally showed up at his doorstep and he, I think he was like so surprised and they thought I was only going to last like a week, but I kept showing up and I kept showing up. And then the three mile warm up turned into the four mile warm up before we run stints. And then when we would run around to Maryland where um, the MGM is and come around back, they thought I was going to get left. I stayed running like, with the guys so um i think it just made me a more 
resilient. Human resilient. Being. I love that word. Yeah. Now and now you're and now you're part of the gang. Yeah, I. <laughs> I mean, COVID's made things a little difficult. Right. Um, and, however, it's in the summer when it was because you know the winter it. It, it gets more dangerous because people go indoors in the summer. We were out on Anacostia track every damn day and it would be 103 degrees outside and we would be sparring out there on the track, running sprints on the track. Um, and I am on the risk thing, on like how, how risk averse I am with COVID I'm like extra. And so I was, I would wear masks outside in the heat while sparring in the middle of July. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I feel like in that cause yeah, uh, district CrossFit, they don't have uh, air conditioning. And, uh, oh, God. and so our space, uh, the big league space has heat and AC, thank God. But the, the gym is, is a 10,000 square foot warehouse there. There's no AC. There's some space heaters, which do a little bit, but on days like this, where it's like 32 degrees out, it does absolutely nothing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I know the feeling of, of wearing a mask. Yeah. Do you have a mask recommendation by the way, while we're here, while we're on the topic? Oh man. Well, uh, not a specific brand. If I'm being honest, I get mine from Amazon. Um, <laughs> are you like a I, cotton mask person? Or are you, I mean, we, we paper mask, we just, you know, throw it away. I mean, black paper, black, black, oh, black, gotta be black, all black. Yeah. So, yeah, so like DC the... fitness. So DC <laughs> fitness. Cause I don't like the white and the blue, you know? Um, so I get the black, but, um, it depends on the situation, right? Like when I would in the summer, when I was protesting, I would double, triple mask. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, you know, if I'm working out and if I'm in a group class, like, or when I was teaching rumble, they got us these under armor masks, but mm. that actually broke my mic because it got so wet underneath the mask. It's heavier. So uh, I like lightweight, but still the, the black ones I wear, I know they're from like Amazon or something, but there's still four layers to them. So I'll wear that. And then if I'm like, doing like a I don't know like if I'm going on a date and we're outside you know I'll do like the cloth you know like the okay. cute one with the little chain right um, right <laughs> but you know okay safe but make it fashion right 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 of course so wait so did you have to have the microphone inside of the mask is that how you did it you didn't have to um but one thing that sets rumble apart from a lot of other places is and this is what we learned in the beginning of our training too is rumble focuses a lot on sound quality so mm -hmm. um our mics our sound system our speakers all both like that meant a lot to me because i'm someone who's big on sound too oh yeah and so everyone's voice isn't like this but for my voice it sounded the it has the most clarity when we put the mic right up against your lip and so when we were running tests when we were re about to reopen i put it on the outside and i was like it's not hitting the same and then i'll have to turn the music down and then the moment won't feel the same the experience will be exactly the same so i'll put it um underneath the mask but not everyone does that um, gotcha. it's, just, okay. it's just personal preference right i mean yeah you gotta, you gotta do what you gotta do just another yes. pivot a 2020 pivot yes exactly we i'm a big fan of the the lululemon masks oh yes those are good too because they wrap plug, you tie it around <laughs> yes they got the they got two straps on the back so you can pull it down around and wear it around your neck if you need to pull it up and uh and it goes around your head so that's nice and it's got the the middle seam the middle seam is honestly the most important part for wearing a mask and working out is having a mask with a middle seam in my opinion because that it, gives you like that little pocket of air and allows yeah. you to breathe a little bit more. Whereas like if you wear a cloth mask when you work out, it feels like you're being waterboarded. It's awful. Yeah. So I definitely don't work out in the cloth ones because I had to learn that the hard, hard way sparring in the middle of July outside <laughs> in the heat. Um, <laughs> and then with the paper, I do that trick where you like 
do tie it around your ear so it gives you more space. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I mean, if I'm working out, I always bring, you know, three or four masks with me to switch out when they get like soaked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I did that for like my first class I went to when gyms reopened was, uh, I think it was an Elevate class. Shout out to Elevate. And, and, and yeah, I, I brought two masks with me and about probably about halfway into the class, maybe like two thirds. I all of a sudden was just like sucking in this, this mask, like to the back of my throat. And I was like, this isn't going to work. Right. And, and then like, why are you sweat- slowing down? I was like, cause I can't breathe. Right. I, um, that's it's funny that you mentioned the waterboarding joke. Cause literally when, um, I was in class, well, I mean, this is when we reopened, I, I was taking a Lauren's friends and family class and I looked next to me, the guy is like hunched over. And so I had to go over. I was like, yo, are you okay? And he's like, yeah, I'm okay. I just feel like I'm getting waterboarded. And I was like, Oh no, it's, it's a whole thing. Cause I mean, people will make performance masks, but it's like, how can you make it lightweight and breathable, right. but still effective? And that's right. tricky. That's, that's the thing. And I think, I, I think Lulu's done a good job with it. I mean, well, I mean, I actually haven't, uh, worked out in it yet. I've worn it for like some hikes and I've worn it during the day, during the day at work and everything. And it's been pretty good. I haven't run in it yet. So, so that's like the true test, I think, but, um, Mm -hmm. I was breathing pretty heavily on our hike the other day in rock Creek. So, (laughs) um, so, so I think, I think it works, but I mean, we'll, we'll see for sure. But I had another mask that had like the middle seam and the middle seam, I think is like the most important part. So, that's it my, is very important. That's my plug on workout masks. Cause I think it's one of the <laughs> things that people are like, Oh, I'm, I'm not going to go to the gym or I'm, I'm not going to, you know, work out until I can get a mask. And it's like, just wear the mask. Just wear the fucking mask. <laughs> no, nah, for me, it's, it's a, that's like a small, not even barrier. Right. Like if I didn't have a mask, I would grab a t-shirt tied around my head and still go on my run. That's I mean, not like, a... it sucks. Right. Like it sucks to wear a mask. <laughs> no one wants to do it. It sucks. I hate it, but mm-hmm. it's like, this is just the, the reality situation of it. And just, just like, just do it. Everyone does it. It's not enjoyable, but this is what we got to do. So just do it. And I just try to reframe my thinking. Cause listen, I'm out here running with the mask on in the heat in the middle of summer and in the winter too. In the winter, it's quite nice. Cause it keeps your face warm, but oh, um, big plus. Yes. <laughs> but the way I see it is kind of like, I wonder, I bet this is how it would feel if I started training for running in Denver, you know, right. that's just how I try to see it. I try to reprogram my perspective. And so it's like, when this is all over, we're all going to be flying, breathe, breathing easier. <laughs> oh man. I can't wait till that first like workout back at like a class with no masks on. Oh, it's going to be so hype. It's going to be special. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit more about, you know, the impact here of, of COVID. I think, I think COVID is really kind of affected i mean it's affected everyone no you know that beat around the bush here but uh you know mentally uh you know uh professionally financially i mean i mean delve into a little bit about how you've been you know just coping i um really took my (laughs) super nitty-gritty attention to detail excel whiz finance background and just dumped it on this pandemic when we got furloughed right like I always had my clients and I always you know had my own personal thing on the side but it became a full-time thing plus teaching classes under my business when COVID hit when we got furloughed so um I just completely reorganized my business as everyone else in fitness has had to. And um, I won't forget it. His name's Wes Doles. He's, he's an amazing trainer. He's a strength and performance trainer, but he's out in, uh, I think, I believe Arlington. But he posted this Instagram story at the beginning of COVID when lockdown first happened. And he was like, 
all right, guys, this is it. Like everybody's strapped in. This is, this is where you're going to see like which trainers kind of shrivel up or who's going to come out of the top. Right. So, yeah. um, and, and yeah, I like laughed at it, but you know, he has a point because hundred percent you really get tested as a trainer, especially with like, for example, in a zoom session, right? Like you can't see all angles of someone's, I don't know, whatever movement they're doing, their hip hinge or whatever. So you, you really, and, and depend, and then equipment is restrictions, right? If they're not in the gym, what can you do? You know? So it really right. makes you a, a better trainer. That's how I try to see it. And, and financially it's just been, you know, in the beginning, DC an unemployment office didn't have the capacity no. and wasn't ready for the capacity of requests coming through. So I didn't get through until we went into lockdown in um, March. I didn't get through the system till July. So, I, I think the the number I saw earlier this week was I think a hundred thousand claims have been paid out of one hundred and fifty four thousand. I think that was what the number I saw earlier this week. So it, it, yeah. there's still thousands of people who still haven't. It, it's, it's a lot a, better now. But a giant yeah. clusterfuck. But yeah, I mean yeah. now it's it's. I think hopefully it's gotten straightened out and and you know we'll see what happens here. Yeah. So to not even have the government be able to have your back and at that time was a scary feeling and and you know the rent is still due. So still do yeah, literally and figuratively. So, you know, I just applied, I got real organized real quick. I'm my own accounting department. I'm my own marketing department. I'm my own risk department where I, you know, hedge and weigh and see which class is and isn't working and how can I work smarter, not harder. I'm not going to bust my ass and sweat, sweat for like one person to show up kind of thing, you know, as much as, as, is if you know if this were a rumble and one person showed up, I would give the same energy to teach the class to one person as I would a sixty person class. I'm not saying like the amount of care, but I'm saying energy is not unlimited, and my energy during this pandemic is not unlimited. So I was trying to see how can I work for myself at the same time. Right, um, right. So that's just been an adjustment. And at the same time with everything happening over the summer, and um, you know, DC was just definitely a hostile place to be um, with the landscape and everything. It everything just kind of boiled down and kind of broke me. Um, and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm very open about that just because I know that I can't be the only person who has been struggling mentally, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally. And, and I think it's, I don't think I'm crazy. I saw this um, part in um, Glennon Doyle's book, but I'll say this part first. I don't think I'm crazy for reacting normally to a crazy world. Right. I think everybody else is crazy for trying to like, be like, no, nothing's wrong. You know, like, you know, and and so I, and that's the thing in in Glennon Doyle's book, she was like, you know, my daughter was crying over polar bears and how the ice caps are melting. And, and, you know, I was like, why is she crying over that? And then, and then she was, and then she was like, no, but then I realized she's feeling what she should be feeling. She's appropriately responding to a broken world, you know, right. And we're, we're not, we're crazy not to be. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm very real about my struggles and, and it's not really to be like, Hey, pay attention to me or anything, but I, I'm someone who has learned that I need to express myself. And if I can't, then I feel like suffocated. And, and so I treat my Instagram like a personal digital scrapbook really. And like a journal. So, and so People who want to come along for the ride, great. But if you don't, the unfollow button is right there. <laughs> hey oh, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I've definitely, you know, been following you for a while. And I think you, you've built a, a platform here and, and, and a community where, you know, you're able to share those feelings with people and, and you know, it, it inspires people, I think, you know, I mean, I think now I think people are looking at their phones, right? Looking at screens probably, you know, more than ever, whether it's, you know, because they're on a Zoom call just like this or they're scrolling or, or you know, work, whatever it might be. And, and I think, you know, having, you know, someone, you know, that can, you know, they can relate to, I think that that provides, because I think there's such a stigma around mental health, right? Like, like, you know, whether, you know, you can talk about anxiety, depression, you know, what, 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 you know, whatever it is. Uh, and, and, you know, I think that, you know, shows people that like, Hey, like let's normalize this. Right. Instead of just being, you know, something that we just push down and just put to the back of our, uh, you know, brain and just let it go. Yeah, I think it's important, especially as someone in this industry where being positive is is a practice, right? But there is such a thing as toxic positivity. And um, especially in this industry, I think it's important to have somebody who's real in the age of um, edited pictures or fit tea or, you know, quick fix, you know, workout programs and oh, you know models you know yeah and, and and listen everyone's got to make their bread everyone's got to market themselves i totally understand that um and everyone's on their own journey but for me i was like listen millions mil i'm talking millions of people suffer from depression why is this such a hush hush thing and why is it treated like such a bad like why is it treated like you're a weaker person right and i don't i think i'm able to share because i'm not afraid of being viewed as weak because i know i'm not weak because i'm out here sparring professional boxers when i only have a couple years of experience in i'm out here running you know 10 miles for the first time in my life by myself you know like i i've already drained i already took out my 401k to leave for fitness i already left my job so for me i'm like i don't care if you think i'm weak because i'm not weak if anything being open about this and giving others a safe space to discuss even what medications they prefer over one other that I know for a fact that makes me stronger and, right. it, and it makes others feel stronger because anytime I posted something, even about just something like as normal as going to therapy, everyone's like, Oh my God. Like, you know, anytime I post about mental health, my DMS go bananas because yeah. people are like, you know, and I've referred so many people to my therapist now. She's amazing, but she is no longer taking clients. Like she's full. And um, so now she's, there's other people in her practice, but more people are going to her other, um, her other therapist now. So I, I'm, I'm recognizing the reach and the impact that I'm able to have on people who are willing to listen. Yeah. You want to give her a, a, a shout out? Her name is Joanne Kim at MNK Counseling Associates. Her, um, she, she does therapy at her house in Petworth and it's so cute. I love that area. It's like, you know, quiet and, you know, yes. it's not, yeah. As a former Parkview resident, I feel you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> now, now, when did you, when did you realize like, like, you know, you were struggling with this? Was this something that was going on pre-COVID or, you know, maybe it was going on pre-COVID and you like COVID made you realize, I mean, when did it start? I, um, so, you know, when we went into lockdown, I, I was just like hit the ground running work, work, work every single day of the week. And I didn't really have time or the capacity to consider my feelings or my thoughts. So April I had made um, 
a generous amount of money. But in May, I started to feel like something's wrong. Like, you know, I've been burnt out before in fitness and in, you know, the corporate world and it was different. And I was like, something's, something's really weird, you know? And I know it's not just, I'm tired. I know it's not just, you know, I'm sleeping more. It's different. And, um, and so, you know, I was feeling that way and I was telling my roommate every day, I'm burnt out, I'm burnt out, but you know, we're in the business of giving energy away. So still have to, you know, show up, smile, always on, always on, always on. Yeah. And so, um, and then it finally came to a head when, when, um, when uh, George Floyd happened after Ahmaud Arbery, after Breonna Taylor, it was one after the other, after the other. And, you know, I was like, I'm not going to watch the video. I won't. And then I was like, you know what? Ignorance is not bliss. Like I, I should, you know, and, and I don't know if that was still to this day. I don't know if that was good or bad, but I, it, it sent me into this clearly different version of myself. And, and it wasn't just that. I think that was just the straw that broke the camel's back one thing on top of the other. Yeah. And, um, I, yeah, I like just became like immobile and like, there was no life behind my eyes. It, it was, I just felt like I was moving, but not existing. And it's, it's a very different type of pain. And I would much rather get a bruised rib 10 times over. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, like my roommate would see me like, on the floor of our balcony just laying looking out into looking outside and like not even moving not even on my phone and just like unable to move and that's the thing it's like that's what people think depression quote-unquote looks like however depression takes no like poster child form right? right it looks different on everybody so some people have high functioning depression some people are really good at turning it on for you and then the second they get home they can't hold it together. Right. So you really never know what people are going through. And I feel like in May was when I realized like I need help. And so, um, you know, I tried things on my own and, and then finally I was like, I don't know why I've been putting off therapy so long. Maybe I had been stigmatizing it myself. And so I was like, let me go to this therapist. And, and this happened on accident. Someone I had no idea who she was reached out on Instagram in my DMS. And she was like, Hey, I've been following you, you know, since rumble. And I really, you know, respect that you're an Asian American woman in fitness. And, you know, she felt like she could connect. And so she goes, I know how important it is to have a therapist who can understand you. So she recommends Joanne and she's like, you know, yes, yeah, she's Korean and she's a child of immigrant as well. And so she was like, I want to gift you two sessions because I know you're struggling right now. Wow. And I couldn't accept. I, I was like, oh my gosh, no, no, no. And then she was like, you know, I take it that you're a generous person. I can just see that from you. But to fully be generous is to accept other people's generosity as well, which was beautifully put, but I probably didn't say it right. But yeah, so I went and, and just faithfully, the first appointment she had open was on June 26th my birthday. So, um, yeah. And I went in and, um, I went, I was going once every week and it's just been such, such an amazing thing. It's like my friend Sydney said, brushing your teeth, but for your brain. (laughs) And so now I just graduated. I'm going once every two weeks. Um, but yeah, I just think everyone needs therapy always. You need an unbiased person to label what you're thinking, seeing, feeling, because we gaslight ourselves more than we think. Right. Do we, do we ever graduate though? Do we really graduate? (laughs) You know, I, I I get that a lot in in the world of physical therapy. I think in like traditional PT, it's always like, oh, today's graduation day. And I'm like, shut up. No, it's not. And and (laughs) 
And because, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, sure. Like someone comes to, comes in with a, a shoulder issue. Right. And, and we get them out of pain we get them back to boxing and everything's good. That's good. It doesn't mean we stop doing these things though, you know? And, and that's when it, you know, maybe we shift our focus to a proactive approach versus a reactive approach. And I think that's kind of like what we've tried to do at big league is like, like let's focus on proactive uh, treatment versus just reactive treatment. Cause overall, I mean, I think this applies to all facets of the healthcare system. Uh, and I think that's kind of why I think we're failing, you know, as a country in the, in the healthcare system is because we're so focused on reactive treatment. You know, yes. we, we're, we're obese. Uh, so, you know, we have to diet or we are, uh, we have diabetes. So we have to take medication. We have heart problems. So we have to take, you know, medication. We have to get surgery. We have to do all these things. What if we could prevent these things from happening in the first place? Right? Like, I think truly, you know, I've said this, I feel like I say this on every episode, if we really want to move the needle forward uh, as a country in healthcare, like we have to focus on uh, proactive solutions. You know, in, in our country, 88% of healthcare dollars are spent on reactive treatments. You know, 12% is spent on proactive. You know, I, I, I don't know. I feel like it should be different. I don't know. And, no, I agree with you 100%. 100%. And, and, yeah. And so, so I think, you know, it's the same, I, I mean, I, I think it's the same thing with, 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 you know, what you're doing with your therapy is that, is that it's like, you're still going every other week. You know, it's not, you know, the, the, you know, what, what initially drove you there probably isn't just, you know, as you know, intense, but like, you know, you want to like, you know, keep up the, the strides and progress you've made. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to the reactive healthcare, healthcare system, honestly, America, that's a whole thing in itself. And that's a whole different conversation. But yeah, and, and I think we all know the reason why we can't be more proactive because big pharma wouldn't make as much money. Well, yeah. Insurance companies want to make as much money. But anyway, uh, that's another topic. Insurance <laughs> um, companies. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, with therapy, yeah, I, I guess I worded that wrong. You're right. So when I meant graduate, I meant, I guess, graduated from paying that much a month because <laughs> I now pay half that amount. Um, but enough. yeah, that's the thing. It's like, Therapist, the therapist cannot do my healing for me. The trainer cannot make get the goal of whatever their goal, the better their golf swing or whatever for them. You right. cannot fix the shoulder. You know what I mean? Like right. they have to want to do the work and like they have to implement the movement patterns. They have to want to change. So yeah, like the like so the practices we do in therapy, like I am now able to self-regulate and challenge some of these thoughts when I'm in, in certain low ways, because depression comes in waves. Right. And so it, it's a constant practice. And it's, it's not necessarily about, am I better? Or am I not better? It's more about, am I moving forward? And what am I doing to safeguard against or to be better prepared for when the next wave comes? Right. Or when, you know, now I'm more, now I'm better equipped to know what situations I can and cannot handle. Because, um, being in those protests as an empath really was detrimental to my mental health, which is another reason why I started going to therapy. Now I know myself better that I am not able to, um, I'm not able to function honestly in those environments. Um, So that's the thing with therapy. It kind of brings more awareness to the things you're not seeing. Right. And I, I think, you know, I see it like on my end of things where it's like someone comes in with shoulder pain and they're like, fix me. I want to be fixed. And, and you're like, uh, no, that's not how that works. <laughs> you know, I like I, I view myself as like Obi-Wan and I view, you know, the, whoever I'm working with as as Luke Skywalker. Like like I can, you know, help you. I can put you in a position. But ultimately, yeah, you got to, you know, get down to business and, and, and do your and do the work, you know what, you know, however that may be. 
Right. And that's the thing, like, you know, anytime I take a client on and, you know, there's a assessment, the functional movement screen that I do, um, just that's how we've been trained to do at Equinox. And so that's why I still run my own version of it. Um, and you know, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, I have knee pain or, you know, I have this, that and the other. And then you see the way they move and, and you're like, okay, yeah, no wonder you, you realize how little body awareness people have and I'm not saying like my clients in particular, I'm just saying people in general, right? Like the average working person has no idea about the imbalances and they don't in their left leg versus their right leg. They, um, they don't know. Right. And so, um, it's, I, I mean, you can relate this back to therapy. It's like, we're so comfortable talking about, you know, our dating life, our sex life or what we ate or whatever, but can we talk about our thoughts without stigma? Can we talk about our movement quality? Can you, like, not you, but can the average person specifically point to the root cause of their knee pain? Because, right. because what they're, what they're saying in their back, the back may not be the culprit. The culprit could be your tight hips, you know? So, so like, I think people just like people can benefit from more body awareness. People can benefit from more, um, self mental self-awareness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, um, you know, like going into that, I mean, and there's so many like harmful narratives out there too, right. Where it's like, you know, on like, you know, where it's like, you shouldn't be discussing your feelings. You shouldn't be involving politics. You shouldn't be, you know, and I think, you know, as a society now, we're kind of at this point now where we're like, we're over the bullshit. We're over like kind of just like hiding, you know, behind, you know, w- you know, whatever, a smile and, and like, you know, and it's time to like, you know, let your feelings out. Cause I think people want to know that. I think people want to know how you feel. People want to know where you stand. So I think it's important that, you know, we do speak up and, and put these things out there. Cause I know like, for me, things like, you know, um, people shouldn't, uh, you know, squat cause it's bad for their knees or, or, you know, they, sh- they shouldn't, uh, deadlift. It's bad for your back. And it's like, come on, like, you know, like, I- <laughs> give me, give me a fucking break. So I think, uh, you know, that, that, we need to, you know, do more of, of, you know, speaking up and putting these things in the forefront so that, you know, people, people know, you know, people, like you said, people just, there's a lack of awareness out there. It's like, Oh, like, you know, I've been, you know, stretching since I was in gym class as a, as a first grader. Right. And you're like, stretching is good. I have to stretch because it's been drilled in my head. It's like, well, actually stretching doesn't really have any benefits. doesn't have any negative effects, but it's, you know, one of the things it's, if you like to stretch, go ahead and stretch. And, and so it's like, you know, finding those, you know, the, these narratives out there where it's like, oh, well, you know, I'm super tight, you know, I'm not stretching enough. Meanwhile, they like bend over and like palm the floor. And it's like, no, you're not tight, you know? Yeah. And so, it, you know, it, it's one of those things where, you know, we have a, an opportunity to like kind of spread those messages out there. And I'm, I'm talking about from like the healthcare aspect of it, but yeah, it goes deeper into like the political side of things as well as, you know, the mental health side of things. And it's, you know, it's this whole spectrum of like addressing things versus just avoiding them. Yeah. And I think in the age of social media where information spreads so quickly and is shared so quickly, it would be foolish not to share what, you know, right. What you have, you give what, you know, you teach. So, um, yeah, keep spreading your knowledge. I see your posts. They're, they're amazing. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And speaking of, of sharing information, uh, I'd be remiss to not talk about, uh, the fact that you are probably the first, uh, viral TikTok sensation to, uh, to, to be on the show here. So I, I feel honored to be in the presence of a, uh, a TikToker. I've been, I've been weighing the, the advantages and benefits as a, a tick, uh, of being a TikToker for, uh, and I'm using that as a, uh, as a, as a, a noun, 
a noun, right? That's the, the correct grammar term, yeah. right? TikToker, right? Yeah. Uh, and I've been advan- and weighing the advantages and the pros and cons here. And, and I, you know, I, I like have been on the edge of my seat, I think like the last six months of like, should I do it? Should I do it? Should I do it? And uh, your, your TikToks are, they crack me up. Uh, wh- when did you, was this a quarantine thing? Was this pre-quarantine? Um, when did you, you decide to make the, the plunge into the world of uh, TikTok? <laughs> It was right before quarantine, right? So in the winter of last year, I had TikTok, but I was one of those people who was always looking, not posting. And then um, I actually was really sick for three, almost four weeks in February, right before lockdown happened. Um, The doctors confirmed that it wasn't COVID, but now I'm like, I don't know. Um, But they said it was just a really bad sinus infection. And I had never been that sick in my life. Like they ruled out the flu, but I was just in bad shape. So the first round of antibiotics didn't work. They had to give me a stronger one that like made me dizzy, but towards the end. So I was already self quarantining for three weeks because everyone was talking about COVID, but nothing shut down yet. So I was like, let me just not go anywhere. Right. Cause I was sick. And then I started to feel better. And then everyone was sensitive about Cause it was right before we shut down. And I was like, I think I'm ready to come back to rumble. And they're like, Oh, hold off. Like we don't know yet. Cause you know, COVID. Right. And, um, so around that time around week three, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not done with my antibiotics, but I feel well enough to move. So I was like, why don't I just make a TikTok? Because at that time, only like two or three people that I knew had TikTok. And so I was like, yes, like, let's do this. Because like Instagram, you know, people are curated and, you know, they use these filters and then they think they pre-think their captions. TikTok is a place where you don't have to be an Instagram model to thrive. You literally just need a personality and something to offer that people find either entertaining or useful or um, knowledgeable and like the following creates itself. And so I was just, I'm not even a spectacular dancer. I'm a very, very average, average dancer. Right. But I think people can feel the energy, like my energy through the screen. Right. And, and so within the first two months, it was like 11,000. And then, um, I actually stopped, like when I had depression, I like never posted or like once every, um, once in a while. And then in the fall, like when my depression got a lot, lot worse, I just didn't at all. And so now I recently started coming back. Um, cause I do have that creative energy again. And, um, like I want to be playful and, and play and play. That's honestly what it is. We're playing. Yeah. Um, and that's, and I think that's why I now have the followers that I have. And I don't even know anyone on TikTok. Well, now a lot of people have TikTok. So right. um, they can look at my old TikTok. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I just put myself out there too much. And then part of me is like, you know what? No, like there's entertainment value in this one by me just being me and being able to laugh at myself and and laugh at, you know, the dating scene in DC. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, and people resonate with that. And yeah. so- in a way that is a coping mechanism of it. And that's not unhealthy, right? I'm not numbing with like drugs and alcohol and any other harmful behaviors. I'm numbing with like, I'm not numbing, but I'm like, I'm using community, right? Like yeah. shared, shared pain that we can laugh about is, is something that makes us all feel better. Oh yeah. I think uh, the, uh, the one, sh- one you had about like, uh, the gingham shirt, like that, uh, that cracked me up because I've never owned that shirt, but I remember like, Five or six years ago, uh, some of the girls in my PT class were like saying the same thing. I think there's like an Instagram account with like that gingham shirt or something like that. And and I like I saw that and it like brought me back to that. I was like, oh shit! I was like, that's still a thing. And then I think you had the one about crossing over into Clarendon too. That was great. Um, has has that helped you uh, on like the business side of things? Um. Actually, I, I've had um, trainer requests through TikTok, um, but 
through the DC ones that were on like overheard DC. No, if anything, it helped my dating prospects. (laughs) Some people saw it as a challenge and like, we're like, Oh, well, you know, um, but no, that's about it. And, and that's the thing with my clients. It's like, I, I, um, am very picky about who I agree to take on. Um, because if I'm just taking any client and they're just a drag to work with, or they just complain the whole time, or they don't really want to help themselves and all that, or if it's just not a match, then, then I wouldn't enjoy that hour. Right. And then at that point, how is that different from me doing a job that I hated, but I'm sitting down at a desk on Excel. So, so I, 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 um, pour a lot of myself and care and time into each client. So, um, I don't like to have too many personal clients. Like I only like to have a few at a time. And, um, if a spot opens up great, but otherwise I, I, I don't really do a lot of advertising for my personal, my private client business, because usually the referrals come through on their own. Um, the, the, the people I've gotten for the zoom classes now that, yeah, that, that helped. You know, right, right. want to know. And, and that's more of like a fun, you know, way to sweat together and all of that. Right, right, right. That, that, that makes sense. I think, you know, like we have like a pretty extensive, like kind of process where we want to like learn about like our clients first and like, you know, like find out like what's, what's, you know, what, what are their goals and what, what are their interests, where, where are their heads at? So they make sure that they're like an actual good fit versus just like taking anybody, you know, and everybody. Right. Cause like, I'd love to, you know, work with everybody, but like, unfortunately not everybody's going to be a good fit. Right. And that's the thing. It's like finding the right trainer, finding the right therapist, finding the right, whatever is kind of like dating, right? Like I may offer something that trainer X, Y, and Z may not. And it, and it may not be because that, listen, we can all teach the same, um, we can teach the same program, right? Like Mm -hmm. we can read off the same program, um, have the same pull push ratio, whatever, but how am I going to make you feel versus the person, you know, that's over here, you know, and, and some people I'm not my energy is not going to be good for someone else. Right. So that's the thing. That's why it's good to have different types of trainers in this market. Some people will say it's an oversaturated market. And sometimes I do agree. However, in terms of DCs, like amount of trainers, I, I love it. And, and sometimes if, if I, like when I left for New York, I gave all my clients to, um, like one of my, I have colleagues that, cause I used to be at Equinox at Equinox and, the beautiful thing about the trainers in DC is everyone is knowledgeable. So you don't, when you, when you sub them or whatever, they, you don't, you don't have to worry. Does that make right. sense? Yep. Um, so, yeah. So, so with these increased dating prospects, as it, uh, have they been successful dating prospects or, or are we, are we still on the look? I, um, or do we not want to talk about it? It's okay. No, I'm, I'm an open book. I will talk about like, if I get my nails done or if I go get something waxed, I don't care. But, um, (laughs) I, I would say I'm not settling down on one person or anything, but I'm also not like going crazy. Right. I'm right. You know, I'm very picky about who I spend my time on. Um, at the same time, it's like, am I even looking for a man? There's this interview Rihanna had on the red carpet that someone was like, what do you look for in a man? And Rihanna was like, First of all, I'm not looking for a man. And that's how I feel, right? Like, obviously, I know what I want in someone, but I'm not going to chase anything. Like, if someone comes along and the date happens and, you know, what? There, great. There's no checklist. 
there's no checklist, right? And and I can care less about what you look like. And, you know, I joke, you know, TikTok's like not real life. I joke about, you know, the guys in DC, but if he happened to be a consultant and if he happened to have that gingham shirt, I might burn it on our third date. But I, if, if our personalities are a match and you have a good heart and you're funny and, you know, then who cares? <laughs> there you go. If you, ha- if you are a consultant and you wear a gingham shirt, hit her up. <laughs> There we go. That's it right there. Uh, We got got a few more minutes left. I got a few more questions for you here. A little more personal. Uh, What's, uh, what are you watching on TV these days? Oh, I just finished uh, The Crown. The Crown. Because it got to season four with Princess Diana. Yes, I've I've heard I've heard the Crown is a is a good watch. I have not gotten into it yet, but it keeps popping up on Netflix. So I feel like eventually gonna have to take the dive. I was like that too. And I was like, no, I don't care. I don't care. Right. <laughs> I was like, I don't care about the monarchy. And then, and then I got so involved. So, but I'm like that. It's like, I get attached to TV shows like they're real, but yeah, the crown <laughs> has been like an obsession. Cause then I'll be Wikipediaing and like Googling as I'm watching the show. And I'm like, right. Oh my God, this did happen in real life. And someone did break into the, the, the um, to Buckingham palace and all like, it's yeah, I'm involved. <laughs> Love it. What, uh, what book are you reading or what's the last book you've read? Oh, the, so I like to rotate between three at a time, actually. Um, so usually one's like to learn about certain topics. One's like a self-help book and then another one's for like fun. Um, my friend, oh, I think, you know, Akasha, she moved out to Chicago. Yep. Yep. Um, she actually sent me this book called Breath by mm. James Clear. Yeah. And it's basically about how all of us are breathing wrong. And how, and how honestly that's affecting our performance. It's affecting our sleep. It's affecting how long we live. It's affecting every aspect of my life. So of our lives. So um, I read that book and, and it was incredible. The cover is like the hardcover is like beautiful, bright yellow. Um, but James Clear has the point. And so honestly, even when I go on my runs, I try my best to breathe in and out through my nose. It's, it's super insightful. Um, and it kind of made me more intrigued into the world of breath work. There you go. I love it. What, uh, mm-hmm. what's one thing now you, you are a, uh, a local, a local yokel here. Uh, what's, what's one thing that people who maybe aren't from the DMV here should experience, whether it's here in DC, whether it's out in Fairfax, wherever, what's one thing people should experience here in the city or in, around it? I love these questions. <laughs> and you can't say, and you can't say like the mall either. Come on. Like, 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 no, let's be real, right. No. Okay. So, um, you know, DC, ramen isn't the first place you first thing you think of when you think of DC. And DC has great ramen spots. Everyone ramen. knows about yeah, everybody knows <laughs> everybody knows about Takaya and all those places. But listen, Uh-oh. oh, I don't want I don't even want to tell this secret because everyone's gonna go and there's gonna be a wait. But there's this place, all right? It opened like three months ago. It's it's where? Guess what? Right by my therapist's house in, in Tetworth. I'm Tetworth. actually going there tonight. It's called Menya Hosaki. Okay. Oh, I literally and, just read about this place. Yep, the Washingtonian wrote about it, and I low-key was like, can you not write about this? I'm, like, happy for them, but don't write about it because everyone's going to go now. Um, but they have – it's COVID safe. Like, you can eat – I always eat outside, and they have heaters, and it's such a cute little tucked away, quiet. You go to the back, and they have, like, the lights. The vibe is right. But the ramen itself, listen, they have two vegan options, and I've tried the vegan options. They they taste amazing. I'm oh. not necessarily a vegan, but right. everything on the menu is so good. And the guy behind – I think his name is Eric. He's also um, a Korean-American from – from the I think it's from like the Baltimore area but I've just found his story inspiring too because he used to be a financial consultant 
he left his job to study ramen. His passion was in noodles, really. So um, he studied under, I forget what his name was, but some famous uh, ramen man in Brooklyn, I think. It's, and they had the ramen shack. And so he has this one ramen bowl called Triple Threat. And it's like an, um, uh, it's like, is it homage or homage? I don't know. Homage. <laughs> to, homage. Yeah, homage to, to Homage for the people in Pennsylvania. <laughs> Oh my God. I'm so, I'm going to be embarrassed after this front to us. Um, but it's, 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 it's to his mentor and it's so good. So homage, homage you were saying homage, 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 homage. (laughs) I I know what you're saying. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't had coffee today. (laughs) It's all right. Awesome. I no, I'm definitely now now that you said that it's legit, now I uh I'm definitely gonna have to uh check that out. Cause I love like the the vegan ramen broth from Jinya. I know they they so I'm not you know I'm not vegan either, but they got the the vegan broth there is so good. It's so good. Yeah, it's really that's a good one too. But um I would say Menya Hosaki, especially because not a lot of people know about it yet. And okay. my friend that I went with for the first time, she's half Japanese. And so she's like, There's no good ramen in DC unless you go to New York City or Japan, you know? And so she was like kind of a ramen sub and she was like, Yo, this place is good. And I was like, ah and so yeah, I would say go to Menya Hosaki. Forget the the mall and all that touristy stuff. This right. is where okay. People like who know and live in DC will go. There you go. All right. Uh, what's the best thing that's happened to you in the last week? A little bit of in positivity the, here. Oh, in the last week. What and you can't say coming on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> oh, boo. You took my answer. I'm just kidding. Um, the best thing that happened to me this week is I actually went on a first date. And like, that sounds so trivial, right? But in this age of COVID, and because I am an extrovert, I thrive off of human interaction. So, yeah. um, you know, like, I'm not going to talk about the person because like, you know, I don't know what's going to happen or whatever, but like, it was just so refreshing to have genuine chemistry, to have genuine conversation. Um, and just to like, you know, like get dolled up and because I live in leggings and no makeup, right. I never wear makeup anymore, especially in COVID. So it just felt good. And, and, and I mean, even if it was with a girlfriend too, you know, but I, I think it's important. It just made me realize how much I took, in-person human connection for granted. Yep. Um, and so it just felt so good. I mean, we ate outside, COVID safe, all of that. And I'm crazy. Like I made sure negative test results, show me the papers, you know? Um, but, but yeah, I, that happened on Saturday. And so, um, it, it was just so refreshing and I human interaction. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And then fast forward, like six months from now when we're all vaccinated and you're like, I, and you're back out with people and you're like, I just want to stay at home by myself. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm going to be at every concert. I'm I'm going to be out. I'm going to be out acting a fool. Not a fool, but you know, I'm going to. But a fool. I'm going to let some energy out. You feel me? <laughs> there you go. All right, Sharon, thanks so much for coming on the show. I appreciate it. This was awesome. We're definitely going to have to do it again. Thank you so much for having me. Be safe. Thank you so much for listening to Move the District today. If you want to find out more about our guests or about Big League Performance Rehab and how we can help you continue to be active and pain-free, head over to bigleagueperformanceandrehab.com to learn more. Thanks, and until next time, keep moving, DC.